Good evening, everyone. Thank you for having me over. We will continue to discuss Srila Jiva Goswami's Krishna Sandarbha. I'm going to try to finish up this evening the uh, hermeneutic section, the fourth division of the fourfold army. Fourth, I'm sorry, third and fourth. So we're still dealing with uh, Sat Purmam, which is related to the way uh, information in any text is connected. So it's connected so that it, it, it conveys a certain meaning. Now, of course, Jiva's already, we've already discussed that there's a direct Praman. It's called a Shruti doesn't require any help from any other statement. So when we read something like Krishna's to Bhagavan Swayam, then that's a declarative statement. That's a Shruti. Not to be confused with Shruti, meaning the Vedas. Shruti, Smriti, Puranadi. So we're talking about a, uh, a lin linguistic presentation within you know, a, a written work. So, Shruti, from the first subsection, was discussed, and we have a direct statement. Now, as we go on, uh, in the very next, once we get through this, these last two divisions of the fourfold army in support of the Paribas Sutra, Krishna's two Bhagavan Swayam, then there will be other statements that that uh, Jiva Goswami is going to pull out for us and say that these are they're like echoes like reflections of the Shruti Krishna's to Bhagavad Swayam but I won't get a whole ahead of myself like I usually do I want to get through this because I know it's a little uh, um, the reason it's difficult uh, is because um, we as an audience of Jiva Goswami are not really tuned in to Purva Mimamsa and all of the, the ritualistic aspects of the Vedas. So really this whole presentation is based on a study of the Vedas which we have no great acquaintance with. But in the Vedas, everything, you know, some things are directly presented, but the majority of things are in codes, and uh, you need to know how to decode them. And the method that you utilize to decode a lot of the statements, which would relate to how a specific sacrifice was to be performed um, for the attainment of karma mamamsa, or getting some fruit of result from your sacrifice, um, as I said, they're, they're hidden. They're, they're hidden in the text of the Veda. It's not like directly stated. You know, if you want to go to heaven, do this. <laughs> you know, and do it in this way. It's not like we would uh, take a... It, it, the formula's there, but you need you need to have expert guidance or you need to be schooled so much in Sanskrit that you can pull out that guidance so that you can properly conduct. Otherwise, well, I can't, I can't speak for the, the author of the, the Veda as to why it's in codes and why, it's, why things have to be, you have to really study the literature and, and know every aspect of how statements are made, but that's the way the Vedas are presented. So we don't find a lot of Shruti, although the Veda is called Shruti, we don't find a lot of Shruti, direct statements in there. Most everything are these other, um, you have to use, you have to interpret what is the meaning by applying these different pramanas or evidences which will give you that entrance. In summarizing this evening, we're just going to talk about, because I realize as I, I've been, I mean there's so much here presented by the author 
There's so much presented by Jiva, and there's so much presented by Satchin Das, who himself is schooled pretty thoroughly in the Veda and, and certainly in Sanskrit. Uh, so his commentaries are pages long in this section, trying to give us an introduction. And I've tried to kind of pull some of that out, and then I'm getting to a point where we're just going to get bogged down. We're not gonna. We're not gonna take anything meaningful for this because it's a lot of detailed knowledge, which really is not gonna have any nourishing effect on bhakti. But it's there. The knowledge is there, and and it's uh, it's a wonderful presentation. But time is short, and I want to move forward. So we're gonna take this. So six kinds of praman. And these things, these are called the, uh, you know, the Sat Praman. So Sat Praman, first is Shruti, direct statement. Second is uh, Linga. Uh, we can infer from a statement what's being said. So as an example, Jiva used what? We can infer from the way Brahma experienced Krishna manifesting all the different forms of the cows and cowherds and then showing Brahma that actually they are they are all expansions of him and turning and manifesting himself out of those different calves and cowherd boys manifesting different forms of Vishnu what other conclusion could you arrive at from that kind of a statement of lingua, linga? So, while Brahma looked on, this is a statement from the book, all the cowherd boys immediately appeared to him with dark complexions like that of a rain cloud and adorned in yellow silken garments. So you can't arrive at another conclusion. So this is called a linga. It's, it's, you have to realize no other person can pull this off but God. Okay, it's just it just doesn't. You just you're just not going to find that on anybody walking down the street that they're going to, you know, manifest all these forms if you steal their friends and relatives and calves and the whole herd of the you know. And then they'll just manifest them for themselves as those forms to bewilder you, to show you that your mystic opulence is really, you know, hiding somebody in a cave is nothing, holds doesn't hold a candle to doing what Krishna did. And then showing Brahma that they, they're all myself here. And then showing that what am I? Not that I'm just this cowherd boy. I am that original personality from whom all the universes come. So he manifested all the forms of Vishnu and uh, was worshipped accordingly. So that's the first subsection in the Sat Praman. And the second subsection, which we touched upon in the last class, which is more of a general class, is uh, Vakya sentence or syntactical connection. So he uses again a, a, a different verse from the Bhagavatam to establish uh, how this is this kind of evidence is there in the Bhagavatam and you know as an example we can recognize it and for that he uses a statement back from the first canto. Seventh chapter Indeed, in the very act of receptively and attentively hearing this Srimad Bhagavatam, Bhakti to Sri Krishna, who is the Supreme Person, Parama Purusha, self manifests in a person's heart, dispelling lamentation, illusion, and fear. So this this is called a Vakya. Well, it's not called the Vakya. Actually, you asked the question. Um, this statement is the Vakya. When we hear another statement in that same chapter, so they're kind of in proximity, a Vakya, that says, in his pure heart, 
which was established in perfect fixity through the yoga of unalloyed devotion, he, Vyas, saw the original complete person, Purusham Purnam. So that statement preceded, it was in, it's before the statement that we just heard, that indeed in the very act of receptively and attentively hearing the Srimad Bhagavatam, Bhakti Dishri Krishna, who is the Supreme Person, uh, Parama Purushe, self-manifests in the heart. So, the Vakya is that statement, Krishna Parama Purushe. That's the actual Vakya. Here, what's being, here, the definition, the complete explanation of what Srila Vyasudev experienced, how that relates to Krishna is established. Because in close proximity to the statement, we have this other statement that it was it was the original complete person that Vyasudev experienced through his revelation. So that's a vakya. That it has a connection with a statement and through that connection we can understand what the original statement was. So, vakya. I'm sorry. Is that right? Yes, we're on Vakya. So, number three of six. So, of Shruti, we have Linga, and now we have Vakya, and now we have Prakarana, context setting or section. This kind of seems a little bit like Bakya, but it's, it has a, a little distinction. The following verse provides an example of a Prakarana. And then, and this is why I want to kind of go through this, when we look at Prakarana, when we look at Vakya, when we look to these, they all have subdivisions, three or four subdivisions that if you really wanted to understand these, you know, the, the way that that these different kind of evidences that we interpret and arrive at a conclusion, it's not just one way. There's not just one kind of vakya. No, in literature there's three vakyas. Jiva Goswami is giving us one example. Same thing with Prakarana. There are many, well there's actually I believe four different kinds of uh, Prakarana. But again, here we're getting one. That'll suffice for our need. So what is a Prakarana? The following verse provides an example of a Prakarana of a specific type, Dita, in which the Parakarna's subject, which is what is intended by all later discussions, is first clearly identified. So in other words, you're reading a book, you're reading a section of a book, in our case, the, the Srimad Bhagavatam, and in reading that, a a, there's a statement made. O Sutta, may you be pleased with all, blessed with all auspiciousness. There's that verse. Here it is, the, the student blessing the master. You know with what intent Bhagavan Sri Krishna, the protector of the sattvatas, appeared from Devaki. You know why, why he appeared. The wife of Vasudev. Then he gives an example of Purva Mamangsa, which, okay, we'll move on. I mean, it's, it's really detailed, again, as far as 
arriving at a conclusion or a pramana, an evidence as to what's being said in the Vedas that really the sacrifices is for sacrifices is for attaining heaven. And he, you know, he retakes these statements out of the Vedas and and puts puts them forth, and then he uses this lakshya, this logic, um, prakarna to to explain it. But then let's let's just read what's what's good for our purposes here. Then he says. After he's explained all this, this is Jiva, it is, you know, in the Anacheta itself, just explaining this. Similarly, all right, so now you see how the how it's pulled out of the Vedas and how you re- arrive at the conclusion that sacrifices go to heaven. Similarly, in the very beginning of the dialogue between Sonika and Sutta, which is introduced with the above quoted verse, this is like the, the introduction of the dialogue is, you know, uh, Sonika Rishi blessing Sutta Goswami before he, before the questions are even put forth, um, which is introduced with the above quoted verse. Super wonder, Paraman Paramad Bhutata, is expressed by the sages headed by Sonika, specifically in regards to the cause of Sri Krishna's avataric descent since they were all intensely eager to learn of this. From this, it is to be understood that the subject to be known, Jnaya, through all subsequent inquiry must be contextually connected only to Sri Krishna. So that's what this particular hermeneutic evidence is. Prakarana, that... The statement pra that comes before establishes the subject of subsequent statements. Okay, as opposed to a vakya where the statement could actually come after it. But don't don't take this as a complete example if you wanted to fully understand prakarna because this is just one of four different kinds of statements which are accepted as a prakarna. Okay, so it's a statement, and it's one where the example is the statement comes before and the subsequent statements are tied back to it. Okay, so it is thereby made explicit that he alone is Swayam Bhagavan. All this is exactly what has been demonstrated in the previous prakarna which discloses the unanimous intention of all the speakers and hearers of the Bhagavad. So now he's pointing us back to I've already kind of covered this haven't I? I've already said that in the first division of this fourfold army, the chariots in the chariot division I've already said there's so many statements in the Bhagavatam that support Krishna's two Bhagavad Swaya. So I've given you so many. Uh, Prakarna and Vakya. And I'll just uh, read this one thing from the commentary kind of gives us a summation of what's being said. Shijiva Goswami refers to verse 1.1.12 as an example of a statement that initiates a Arabhyadita Prakarna. O Sutta, may you be blessed with all auspiciousness. You know with what intent Bhagavad Sri Krishna, the protector of the Sattvatas, appeared from Devaki, the wife of Vasudeva. In this verse, Sonika makes explicit reference to the son of Vasudeva and Devaki, Krishna. He is not referring to any other Krishna. There are other Krishnas, right? So, well, by saying the son of Vyas and Devaki, 
Vas, I'm sorry, Vasudev and Devaki, now we know this is a specific Krishna. It's not Arjuna. It's not, uh, isn't uh, Draupadi also called Krishna? So, no, we're talking about this Krishna. So, it's, it's really a defining characteristic. He is not referring to any other Krishna. In doing so, he declares the subject of the prakarana. This is an angi statement. Angi, right? The source of all the angas. So similarly, an angi statement is the source of all the other statements that you know that may come. On this basis, all later discussions in the Bhagavat that arose the psychological need, a kagsa, to specify the identity of the ultimate object of knowledge, jnaya, must be contextually related to Krishna. Later, Sutta declares this Krishna to be Swayam Bhagavan. Speaks for itself. It's, we're talking about Krishna, the son of Vasudeva and Devaki. This is the this is who we're talking about, Swayam Bhagavan. Alright, third and fourth divisions. Hermeneutics, Satpraman. Uh, stana and Samkhya. Samakya, I'm sorry. Stana, position or order. Now we talk Jiva writes here. Next to be considered is stana, which is defined as the correlation of one ordered set of items to another ordered set of items. Such correspondence is clearly evident in the section that begins with the above quoted verse. 1112, meaning the verse that where they're praising Sudha Goswami before placing questions before him. So we're placing questions before you because you know Krishna. And we want to hear about Krishna. So, this is the verse that Jiva quotes here. O sages, you have questioned me in a highly significant manner, beneficial for the entire world. Because through inquiry, inquiry about Krishna, as conducted by you, its, I'm sorry, thorough inquiry about Krishna, as conducted by you, is itself that by which complete fulfillment of the self comes into being. So this is Sutta Goswami's response. He's been blessed by his <laughs> audience, and the audience has presented questions. And now he's saying, thank you. This is really nice of you to ask these kind of questions because they're very significant. Uh, which the questions, the questions themselves are so significant that just to ha hear the questions is beneficial to the whole world. So I'll give some answers, but just for people to be thinking in such a high way that they can ask these kind of questions. What's what's the best thing to do for the for humanity? What's the best thing that we should do for ourselves? And could you kindly explain? And then four questions specifically related to Bhagavan Sri Krishna. So the questions are themselves are glorious, is what Sudha is saying. Hmm. In this, word, in this verse, the word Krishna mentioned in response to the first question is understood to correlate with he who was designated there as the one born of Devaki. And what's being really brought out here is this one thing called stana, order. The order of things within the literature was a certain way. 
the sages praise the speaker usually they praise in this instance they bless the speaker a little odd then they ask specific questions one after another and those questions were responded to one after another and that's that's this particular evidence now we come to the last one samankhya name next to be considered is samakya which is defined as a description involving equivalence tulya in terms of name this equivalence is to be seen in the verse jagrahe purusham rupam one three one which culminates in the verse iti shamsa kala pumsa krishna stu bhagavan swayam this is comparable to the naming of the mantras called advara and here again we now we go off into uh, the karma explanations of the use of this kind of a terminology but the samankhya name is that who in the very beginning of the second chapter I'm sorry third chapter of the Bhagavat Purana it was put forth that there are many manifestations of the Supreme Lord and there's a you know there's a source we have this Jagrahe Purusham Rupam that these manifestations of the Purushas then we have an explanation of the manifestations of the guna avatars so this is the this is how the the various avatars are presented in, at the beginning of the bhagavatam right first we have the purushas then we have the guna avatars then we have the leela avatars and we have examples given so many examples narada this one that one you know as the representative accepting the purushas and the guna avatars and even they are accepting karna daksha vishnu are all representative because really there are unlimited garbo daksha vishnus there's one karna daksha vishnu but unlimited garbo daksha vishnus and jiva is going to bring that out later to show how certain the, how how the the eternal understanding is the topmost understanding uh, when we come to things in in the bhagavat purana so stana and let's see what it says so in, let's go back to the first one first or the fourth fifth i'm sorry stana position or order so a little explanation after hearing sonica's question suta begins his reply in the second chapter by first praising the nature of the former's inquiry that's the verse which was in prabhat suta remarks that sonica's questions pertain specifically to krishna yet they have been numerous individuals named krishna throughout history so to which krishna is he referring earlier sonica had expressed his eagerness to learn the reason for the appearance on earth of krishna the son of devaki and vasudev so that tells us who the inquiry of krishna is because all the subsequent questions were about krishna two were general and then the next four were specific samakya refers to the etymological meaning of a word and as has already been mentioned linga refers to the conventional meaning linga again the example was brahma and that's just a, a we don't have to really get into the to the root source of the words in the statement by brahma 
Samakya, however, does take that into account. Samakya is of two types, Vedic and Laukika, that which is current in the world. If the word is from the Vedas, it is Vedic, Samakya. Otherwise, it is Laukika. Drawing on the principle of Samakya, Jiva Goswami points to the equivalence of the word Purusham found in 131. So in the very first word in the listing of all the avatars, we find Purusham. And the word Purusha in Purusha in 1328. The etymological meaning of the word Pumsa is identical to that of the word Purusha. In that way, we see Stana is evidence of evidence that we're speaking of this specific original personality. Samakya. Yes. Now we go to the last one. The last division of the fourfold army is Sadlinga. Now, Sadlinga is another thing, another system of interpretation. And in this, it also has six subdivisions. But here, Jiva only is going to go into one, which is repetition. So it's pretty easy to follow. Because he'd already explained the other, he explained all six in the Paramatma Sandarbha. So if we can remember back to our Paramatma Sandarbha classes, we'll remember that this was dealt with there. If we have sharp memory. Mm -hmm. And if we don't, then we could go back and read that again for you if you wanted to hear it. But this is the fourth, the fourth division, Sadlinga, and he only gives one because he so thoroughly covered this subject in the Paramatma Sandarbha. He only uses this one example, uh, and he writes the following. Abhyasa, as a criteria of criterion of Sadlinga. Moreover, in this book containing 18,000 verses, we find a great deal of repetition, Abhyasa, of Sri Krishna's name, particularly in the following sections. This is all Jiva writing in the Anucheta. We find his name all over the first canto, the tenth canto, the eleventh canto, so throughout those three cantos, the text of those cantos, Krishna is the primary subject and you couldn't miss it. In the second canto, in the dialogue between Brahma and Narada, we find Krishna specifically mentioned a lot. So, abhyasa means repetition. We can come to accept an evidence a sadlinga, by seeing how often the subject is talked about in the work. So if you were to read Huck Finn, on how many pages would we read Huck? And how many pages would we know that the author is writing about Huck, right, through linga? It can only be Huck that he's talking about because... And so we can see how in any literature, in any presentation, it's there. So if you read or have read, you probably all of you had to read Huckleberry Finn, then you know who the book's about. You don't really have to say, what's this book about? It's about the life, this young man's life, and his growing up, and what he experienced, and how he you know, made, made, you know, made himself better. 
so here, same thing, Vyasa, we see that Krishna is directly dealt with throughout the book primarily. And this is 18,000 verses, and there are, there's a lot covered in the Bhagavad Purana. But the majority that's covered is Krishna. And that's what this last, you know, Sadlinga is. Uh, the third canto, the dialogue between Vidura and Uddhava, Jiva Goswami says. In the fourth canto, in verses such as those two Krishnas, Krishna and Arjuna, who are the supports of the Yadu and Kuru dynasty, are Amsas of Bhagavan Hari, who have appeared in this world to relieve the earth of its burden. Srimad Bhagavatam 4.159 And in this verse as well, and then he quotes a verse, another verse, from the 17th chapter of the 4th. Kindly relate to me who am devoted and affectionate both to you and to Lord Adokshaja, all other virtuous glories of the almighty, almighty Bhagavad Sri Krishna of pure fame related to his deeds in his previous avatar in which he milked this earth in the form of King Prithu, the son of Vena. So I want to hear about this form of the Lord but I know it's what? It's a form of Krishna. It's a manifestation of Krishna. In the fifth canto in verses such as O King, Bhagavan Mukunda, Sri Krishna, the bestower of liberation, has indeed was indeed the protector, preceptor, worshipful deity, beloved friend and chief of your family, the Kurus and of the Yadus. Moreover, at times, he even acted as a servant of you, Pandavas, as well. My dear one, once in a while he awards liberation to those who worship him, but he never grants bhakti yoga. We'd have to go back to the text to see what the context of the statement is. Sixth Canto, may Lord Keshava protect me with his club at the end of the night, and may Govinda, who holds a flute in his hand, protect me in the early morning. So all these all these statements Jiva Goswami is making are showing a, a form of satlinga called abasa or repetition. Krishna is repeated throughout the work. In the seventh canto, in the dialogue between Sri Narda and Yudhisthira. In the eighth canto, in regard to the slaying of Kalanami, which is like the sowing of the seed of the exquisite glory of Krishna, as it is the preliminary step in the narration of Krishna's unique glory. This is due to the fact that Kalanami was unable to attain liberation despite being killed even by Srimad Ajita himself. But when he was reborn as Kamsa, he was then liberated by him. That's from the seventh canto. Then he goes on toward the end of the ninth canto and in the twelfth canto in verses such as. He quotes a verse from the twelfth canto. Finally, in the brief summary of the Srimad Bhagavat, provided at the end of the book, in the later part of the description, the name Krishna has been sung far more extensively than that of anyone else. So Jiva is saying, when, when we come to the end of the book, the author is summarizing for us what was presented. And we find in his summary statements that the primary emphasis, even in his summary statements, is most of this was about Krishna. Jiva Goswami continues to write here. Whatever topic is repeated in a book is considered to be its primary subject. On this basis, Sri Krishna is understood as the chief subject here in Srimad Bhagavatam. Indeed, this book has been named the Bhagavat because it propounds the identity of Bhagavan. 
and he closes this annotator. Moreover, it is not that the repetition found here involves no more than frequent intimation of him. Rather, it is seen that more than half of the book treats him as the principal topic of discussion and that also in the manner exceeding all other descriptions in its mystery. And we, of course, in the Bhagavad, there's so many other discourses and so many other explanations of different devotees of the Lord and different manifestations of the Lord. But they're all presented to us in the Bhagavad Purana in the context of Krishna stu Bhagavan Swayam. They're either manifestations, different manifestations of him, or we see different devotees who are engaged in worship and have experiences in their life that lead them to a direct loving relationship with him. So this is the third division, the third, fourth divisions, um, and that concludes as follows. A boss form of the six lingas. Out of these four divisions, the first category of statements may be likened to the charioteers, the second to the elephant division, the third to the cavalry, and the last to the infantry. So that completes uh, this. Now this 74th Anucheta, interestingly enough, it begins another subject in the same Anucheta. So this the fifth division of this 74th is representative statements. In other words, there's other statements in the Bhagavatam which show us that that Krishna's two Bhagavan Swayam idea. So there's other statements there that we don't take as the Parivas Sutra because the Parivas really it sets a, a, a real specific makes a real specific emphatic point that iti chamsa kala pumsa of all these different manifestations of the Supreme Lord Krishna stu Bhagavan Swayam Krishna is the topmost he is the original Swayam Bhagavan so now this next little end of the 74th Anucheta is really a lead-in to, to those kind of statements which go on for a few uh, Anuchetas. So this 70, the very subsection reads, other statements are also found that function like representatives of this des- declaration, such as their eighth child was indeed Hari himself. The word Kila in this verse indicates that the statement statement Krishna stu Bhagavan Swayan is well known. Consequently, Hari in this verse means Bhagavan himself. This too was confirmed by Sri Sukha. Bhagavan himself, the Supreme Person, appeared in the house of Vasudev. So in the next discussion we will go on into the seventy fifth Anucheda and a few Anuchetas, a very small Anuchetas, but Jiva Goswami pulls out certain declarative statements in the Bhagavatam that are like echoes of this statement, Krishna stu Bhagavan Swayam. So we'll go over those in the next discussion. So where are we in this literature? We begin basically with all the listings of the various manifestations of the Lord. Uh, that 
he, I mean, he basically begins with this this one section of the Bhagavatam, the third chapter, that Krishna is the source of all, that Bhagavan is the source of all the Paramatma manifestations. Um, then he goes into the Chatur Vyuha, the Purusha forms, then the Kumaras, Varaha, Sri Narada, Nar, Narayan, Kapila Dev. So in this third chapter, he goes step by step through various manifestations of the Lord. All the way up, he even says Krishna and Balaram, the 19th and 20th avatars, Balaram and Krishna, the 21st, Buddha, the 22nd, Kalki, unlimited avatars of Bhagavan, and then unlimited vibhutis, or persons that are in, infused with the Lord's potency. And then we come to the 28th verse, Krishna's tube, all these, iti chamsa kalapumsa, everything that we've mentioned before, now, this is all pointing that it's all Krishna. He's the supreme manifestation of the Lord. That's our Parivas Sutra. So that's the beginning of the Krishna Sandarbha, all the way up to that, fully explained, fully unpacked for us. Then we go to this fourfold army, which we just completed, beginning with supportive statements. Uh, then Krishna is the main subject of all the di major dialogues in the Bhagavatam. Then the third and fourth, this hermeneutics, uh, satpradad and sadlinga. So even in the way the book's put together, it all points to Krishna. Now he's going to come into another section where he's going to show that this verse echoes in different places throughout the Bhagavatam. And he's going to introduce the, those to us. And then he's going to show um, that actually if we look, all the Shastras point to this same conclusion. And this is the unique characteristic of our Gaudiya tradition and Jiva's going to show they couldn't be talking about anybody else when they talk about the supreme manifestation of the Lord. Um, then he gets into some uh, very sweet areas. He's going to discuss uh, Balaram in detail, the Chaturvyuha, Balaram, Pradyumna, Aniruddha. And then he'll discuss the Lord's associates, the Lord's uh, and his different dwelling places. When, of course, here when we say the Lord, we're talking Krishna. So now we're getting into some details uh, at the end of this literature. So altogether we have, uh, well, we're going to 185 Anuchetas. No, I'm sorry, the gopis. Can't forget the gopis. So that makes us up to 189. And a, a lot of, now we're coming to a section as we work, we're going to work our way into a section over the next uh, couple, three weeks where we get to a really detailed explanation by Jiva Goswami as presented in the Bhagavat Purana of, of what is the full character of Krishna what is his true what is, what's the essence of his nature Swayam Bhagavat we understand he, he can create worlds we understand that, you know, uh, everyone who, who has an inclination to, to a personal form of the Lord worships one or another of his manifestations but what about Krishna Stu Bhagavan's what about this personality this supreme manifestation from which all these the other gods spew forth what about him who's he hang out with you know where does he live what are his associates like? And how is he in their company? So that will take us through to the end of the Krishna Sandarbha, which is the Sambandha Gyan, 
Now we know we know where to get the most knowledge about God from the Tattvas and Dharva. Has to be the Bhagavatam. Then we go on to the Bhagavat Sandarva, explaining different the different manifestations of the Lord. Bhagavan. Then we come to Paramatma, the specific manifestations of the Supreme Lord in relationship to creation. Then let's talk about all the other manifestations and leads us up in this Sandarva to Krishna. And now we're going to enter into a deep understanding of Krishna's character in the second half, second two-thirds of this book, and then we're ready to engage in bhakti. So then Jiva Goswami is going to present for us the bhakti sandarbha. How does one develop this devotion in the topmost, to the topmost degree? What are the procedures? What are the practices? How do you think? And you know, what is the nature of this bhakti, this love, praying bhakti? And then the fulfillment. Once you get there, what's it going to be like? And that's the last sandarbha. Any questions? Yes? There's different sattvas, sattvas, I assume that one is not like deference over the other, but the Acharya kind of dynamically. Both of them are ways that you can pull, pull out the meaning from a literature, whether it be uh, Sat Pramam or Sadlinga. I didn't have an opportunity today to go back to the Paramatma Siddhartha and reread that section, but the same thing's there. This is just different. But yeah, it, it, I, I didn't have a chance to review it, but again, these are all just the liter the way literatures are put together so that a subject is is the whole thing here is about interpretation. How do we interpret what we're reading properly? And what are the what are the indications, the evidences by we which we arrive at the proper understanding? So we can arrive to it by a direct statement, this, that, and another thing. So six satpramans and six sadlingas. Uh, and the lingas are other. It's just another set of ways of arriving at the intent of a literature. And even like within the sub-forms, there's not one that's... Yes. At the very beginning, it was explained. The first one is Shruti. A direct declarative statement is the strongest. That's the strongest evidence you get. And And then all the others are lesser and lesser and lesser. All right. I thank you so much for your association.